This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. NASCAR America Saturday night's wreck-filled thriller left most drivers frustrated. We'll hear all that frustration firsthand in Scan All Daytona. But from the wreckage, Eric Jones emerged with his first ever cup victory. We will talk with Eric's mom about her emotional night and what she said to him in victory lane. Plus, testing is underway at the Charlotte Roval. Dave Burns has the latest, including concerns drivers are having about the new playoff race. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Tuesday edition of NASCAR America from the Big Oak Table here at NBC Charlotte. Marty Snyder, Kyle Petty, and Steve Letarte hanging out with you. Hey, guys, we heard from Dale Jarrett yesterday and Parker Klingerman about their thoughts on Eric Jones' big win Saturday night. I want to get y'all's take on, on, the, on the first career win for Eric Jones. First of many, I, I believe. I, I think it's a glimpse into potential being fulfilled. I think Kyle Busch... Obviously, as huge supporter. If Kyle Busch says that kid can drive a race car, somebody better pay attention. That kid can drive a race <laughs> car. That's, how That's a good point. And, but I, I think we have seen what the future may hold for this kid. This is a place, yes, it was a different kind of race. Yeah, we can throw a lot of stuff in. Let me tell you something. 40 guys lined up. One guy came home with the trophy, no matter what you say, and he's the one that came home with the trophy. So I was excited. I'm always excited when I see a new winner. Somebody else put their name. Uh, on that list. Hey, I've seen a lot of drivers go in the Hall of Fame, and there's never a detail next to the wins. Yeah. Well, no. but this was on fuel mileage. Yeah. Well, this was a wreck-filled race. A win's a win, and they're hard to come by. Yes. You and I both tried to get them in our career. Those trophies are meaningful. Uh, I would have never picked Daytona. I talked to his crew chief down there. He was like, man, I just want to get out of here. This is not our best <laughs> yeah. track. I think Eric would say the same thing. So what I'm interested to see is, you know, Eric's kind of a reserved guy. He doesn't yeah. say a lot. So were they under pressure to win? Did he not feel pressure? What does this win do for the rest of the season? Does it, does it relax him? Does this make him even more dangerous at Michigan, more dangerous at Bristol, more dangerous at Richmond? Because those were the yeah. types of tracks I expected to see Eric Jones go win on. And uh, we've seen Kyle Busch dominate in Joe Gibbs' equipment. We've seen Denny Hamlin improve a little bit. Eric Jones was the one that I felt maybe should have been running better in that equipment. So maybe this is all he needs yeah. to do. You know what I loved was the emotion in his interview with yeah. Rutt. Hey, boys and girls, how about that? I mean, yeah. that, that was such <laughs> no, a fun, the first win, Kyle. I mean, the, the emotion that comes with it is so much fun to witness, isn't it? And, and look, we're talking about a kid who had won in everything he had set in. Everything he had set in. And I, I don't think you know it. We know it. It's hard to explain to, to everyone out there how big a gap there is between Xfinity and oh. Cup. It, it's a totally different game. It's played a different way. Uh, even when, when you're racing against the same people, it's a different. It's totally different. So it's a huge gap. So you say, okay, I could do it in trucks. I can do it in Xfinity. And I'm kicking rear end in Xfinity. Man, I'm going to move up here. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to be right there. And then all of a sudden you sit back and it's like two years have gone by. And you've got one or two top fives or two or three top tens. And, yeah, you've shown some hope. And there's been some bright spots. But it's like, dang, dude, this is harder than I thought it was. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So when you finally get to that point and you break through and then you turn around and you say, I'm on the other side of that line. I'm on the other side. 
I'm on the same side that Jimmy Johnson's on. I'm on the same side that Clint Boyer's on. I'm on the same side Kevin Harvick's on. I'm looking back at those guys looking for their first one. You take a deep breath and you enjoy it, and you enjoy it for a long time. And I think a win for mullets everywhere. Yes. I mean, that, that was awesome to see that, yep. by the way, that shadowed in, uh, yep. in that shot with Rutledge. But also, how does someone slip through all those wrecks at Daytona? We'll show you how Eric Jones finished Daytona without major damage. Steve maybe put that word well, in. A little bit of damage. You're trying to claim there was no damage? I said no. A little bit of damage later in NASCAR America. But first, a big day for some cup teams today testing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The first of two test sessions on the track's new Roval. On Monday, the track confirmed that September's Cup Series playoff race will have a distance of 400 kilometers. Kyle Petty did the math in his head and told me that's just under 250 miles. Drivers will turn 109 laps on the 2.28-mile circuit, 17 turns involved, and that will act as the elimination race in round of 16. That's going to be pretty amazing. With more on today's test session, here's Dave Burns. Well, Marty, as the test continues behind me, for me, the most exciting thing to think about is this race as a playoff cutoff race, because that's coming in September. And when you talk to the drivers and the crew chiefs, you kind of get a sense of that. They're really trying to learn to get as much information as they can because they could be determining their playoff continuation with this race. So what did I learn today? Talking to crew chiefs, basically got the sense that the machinery, they are road course cars. There's not a true hybrid here today. These are just road course cars that they make sure can handle the high banks here. And Kevin Harvick told me they drive really differently on these banks than a normal high bank race car would drive. So that's kind of interesting. Also spoke to spotter Joey Meyer, Brad's, Brad Keselowski's spotter. And he told me we're still kind of determining where we want to be for a second spotter on the back somewhere. But we don't want to get more than two. Two is plenty. If we had more than two spotters around here, we'd be talking over each other. And then thirdly, three things that can slow down a test session. One, an accident. That happened to Bubba Wallace going into turn one. He slammed his car into the tire barriers. He's okay, but his test was over. Secondly, fluid on the race course. That happened to Chase Elliott. He broke a power steering line, fluid everywhere. That took a long time to clean up. And the last thing, if there's something about the race course that the drivers or NASCAR doesn't like, or even the track, and that was determined in the backstretch chicane. What the drivers were doing was they were basically blowing the exit, going straight across the rumble strips, leading off of turn 12, which is on the backstretch. So what they decided to do was add more rumble strips. The blue ones are new. Those weren't there when they started today. Also, to make the cars turn, make sure they don't blow that, they put in the tire barrier, which will keep them from going straight. Now that was a three-part decision, the track, NASCAR, and Goodyear all knowing there's a speed that they want to stay below in turns three and four were in the high banks, and they were over that. So once they put those tire barriers down, now everyone's turning, they're not going through that chicane, and they're bringing the speeds back into compliance. It's been fun here today, Marty. It's been loud, but it's really cool. Uh, Dave, we can tell it's certainly loud there. I hope Dave has some voice left for Kentucky, yeah. by the way, standing oh, there wait, at the test wait, all day long. He said there were three things that quieted the track. Why didn't he talk then?
Well, because he probably wasn't prepared to do <laughs> okay. his report. I just was wondering. That's a fair that's question. A, that is a, a fair, fair question. question. Fair question. Very loud there at Charlotte Motor Speedway <laughs> today, by the way. All right, what do you take away from from his uh, from his report as probably the crew chief who's thinking about well, what do I do? Got to do when I get back. Well, I like that he brought up the cars. I mean, there yeah. was some question about whether you would have a hybrid, an oval, more of an oval-built car, and I think that was definitely the right answer before that chicane that he discussed. If you take that out on the backstretch, which is how the track was initially designed, the entrance to turn three was 185, 190 miles an hour. I think that was done for multiple reasons. I do think the chicane will be a good passing zone, which is great for all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, two, I do believe that without that chicane, that becomes almost an impossible task for Goodyear to build yeah. a tire that works in the slow sections and the high-speed sections. So I, I like what they're doing, but are we surprised at all it needed more curbing? Like, have we not proved at Watkins Glen that grass doesn't matter? We're just going to go straight through here. You race car drivers, Kyle, if there's a shortcut, you're going to take it. Yeah, are we surprised that the drivers figured it out within the first or second lap and everybody started doing it? No. You know what I mean? Uh, you see the tire wall there. You see the, the, the blue ripple strips that they put in. Before, they were just blowing through that, right. blowing up on the racetrack. Why not? There's nothing there, and there's not a rule that says you can't go below the yellow line at Charlotte. So why not blow through it? That's what it's all about. It's about making time. So I, I do like that they've given these guys an opportunity to test. They're looking at the racetrack. The guys at Charlotte Motor Speedway are saying, oh, we got to do this to make yeah. this a little bit better. NASCAR is saying, oh, we got to do this to make this a little bit better. Goodyear's looking at tires. Teams are looking at cars. Uh, this is a learning part. For a change, let me say this. For a change in this sport, this is a test. They're testing the track. Trying they're testing the cars. The yeah. They're learning so much. Everybody's learning so much. I was a little surprised to hear they were going to use multiple spotters yeah. because I've been up in the TV booth kind of getting an idea where we're going to cover right. it from. Man, what a view. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think is cool. Yeah. So the racetrack on performance is one thing, but as a fan, you buy a seat yeah. up in that high tower, you can see the entire road course. That's yeah. a pretty cool aspect. That, that is going to be a cool part. For, from a fan's perspective, yeah. to set up in the, in, in the seats, in the stands, and see everybody out there all running this direction and that direction, you don't see that at Watkins Glen. You right. don't see that in California. Mm -hmm. you, you, I don't think there's a road course we go to where you, you'll see that. Dave mentioned it. We mentioned it as well. This is going to be a cutoff race, Steve. So yeah. could this be the biggest wild card in the playoffs? Yes. And the simple fact is you better show up thinking, thank goodness this is the race for yeah. this round. You better walk in that tunnel <laughs> yeah. with the idea that this is an advantage for you. Because let me tell you, that track, that difficult turn one, that, that Bubba Wallace hit right, right there, Everyone goes through that corner. Yeah. Everyone's going to go through it 109 times. So, so wide. So you need to accept the fact, like, like the drivers that are disappointed about it, if I'm another driver, I already got him beat. And I'm going to tell him how bad of an idea it is in private, and, and I'm going to go back to my own motorhome and say, you know what, I can't wait to get there. Yeah. It, look, if this was an, another oval, a brand-new oval, it's still going to be a headache. They just threw in yeah. the Roval, which right. makes it a little bit more intense. It's going to be very interesting. More from Dave from Charlotte coming up later on in the show, including interviews with Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson as well. But first, we'll go back to Daytona and relive one of the wildest nights in recent NASCAR memory with almost the entire field involved in at least one wreck. It's part of Scan All Part 1. Today, it's Scan All Daytona, and it's next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Saturday night, the Monster Energy Cup Series rolls under the lights as the drivers take on the challenging mile and a half at Kentucky Speedway. Live, 7.30 Eastern on NBCSN. 
Hey, fellas, check out some of the numbers from Saturday night. Boy, we hope this does not happen at Kentucky, don't we? Look at that. 34 of the 40 cars, 85% involved in an accident or a spin. Just half of the field running at the end of the race. Ricky Sinhouse Jr. was involved in a race high. Five accidents or spins. Believe it or not, let's see some of the big roles Ricky Sinhouse played in some of the Saturday night's big moments in part one of Scan All Daytona. We're ready to go here at Daytona. This is the biggest stage in NASCAR. Fans on their feet as the Coke Zero Sugar 400 is underway. Three wide, you're on the bottom. Because of that, going nowhere. Are we trying to go get the points? No. I just want to get up there and get in a wreck. It's your call, man. I'm going to do what you tell me. I just saw Chris up there. I didn't know if you wanted me to try to get up there with him. Nope. Rewide already back here. You don't want to start no crashes this early. Whoa, Coleman Erg's around. 48 calls that. I, I saw that coming. I jumped inside of him and he threw a late block. He flipped. Oh, he landed on his feet, but he went about three foot off the ground. I thought I saw something in the air. I feel like the three-hander cars are not handling very good. Cole thinks we need to get out of there if he can. Now it's William Byron jumping from the bottom to the outside. Look out, here comes the run. Whoa, we froze the block. Oh, they wrecked behind you. Big wreck. Damn it, we're in the wreck. Man, didn't expect that at this point. I got hit in the back. Bunch of idiots driving behind me. Pay attention when we're wrecking. Half the field was involved in that accident. 20 cars. We're all done. Animals. I swear, man, nobody wants to ride. Nobody wants to follow. Well, that was the big one. Going for the win already, huh? Who calls that For Ricky Stanhouse. I'm a guess that was the 17. <laughs> Wild guess. This is the only way Stanhouse can win to get himself in, so he was, like, doing everything. We'll probably be in the top 10 after this one. Well, there's one live for tonight. We'll find out how many more we got. In the meantime, William Byron with the lead. He stays planted down low. Oh, my goodness. Kyle Busch and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. make contact. Oh, Ricky Stenhouse just wrecked 18 and wrecked us, too. That's <laughs> how so you know it's your day right there, boys. What are these guys doing? Damn, the 17 hooked him, too. Damn, it's like, what's up there in Johnny Reeves where he just spits it? He sees it slow mo That would be the Matrix, sir. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Good job, man. That's his second wreck that 17 caused. 17 has successfully wrecked half the field. Yeah, right, Kyle? Yeah, I'm all right. He's such a dip. What a waste of space. Copy that, man. Glad you're okay. He's an idiot. I think I really touched him. I mean, obviously I did, but that's how light it was. This one was worse than the last one. He just, he just drove into his left rear and spun him out. Yep. He wrecks everybody, then he'll win. <laughs> How many uh, cars are left? <laughs> Without damage, maybe 10 or 12. And that is part one of Scanall. More to come from Scanall later on. So, Kyle, I'll ask you. I think you have a very strong opinion about this. Was, <laughs> was Ricky Stenhouse just playing out flat too aggressive Saturday night? Yeah, here's what I say. Um, I, I'll give him the first one. Uh, you know, yeah. but... And I hate to give him that one because I think you should be aware of your surroundings, what the 24 is doing up in front, what the two's car doing in front. You're the third car in line. You, you've only got two cars to watch. You know what I mean? Your spotter's only got a couple of cars to watch in front of you. Uh, so I'm only going to give him half of that one. I don't give him anything else. Um, you can be aggressive. 
but there's a controlled aggression. He was out of control aggressive, is the way I look at it. What he did to the 18 right here, uh, this move, I'm still scratching my head. What he did to Eric Almarola, the side draft body slam that ended up cutting, I, I think, the, the 17's tire later in the race, what are you thinking? Where, where's your head? So, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give him much. And, and I do understand, just as we heard, uh, I, I kind of just want to say ditto what Kyle Busch said. You, you know what I mean? That, that kind of thing. Because that's kind of what it was. You know what I mean? And everybody looked at the 17 and said the same thing. So, sorry. So We want to say it's the desperation of these teams trying to get that, that first win of the season, Steve. But if you're his crew chief, what do you say to him? you know, on Monday after a race like that? Well, I think you have to be honest, which is you need to sit down. And I think each incident by themselves is no worse than any mistake I've yeah. seen a driver make. No. They all make them. It's fine. But normally when a driver makes a mistake, causes the big one, causes any yeah. accident, not that you want to give up the race, but I think you've kind of used your mulligan, yeah. right? So now the next run, when you're inside that 18 right there, he knows he's a race car driver. You're going to lose the air with the 24 in front yeah. of you. The thing's going to get tight. Like, you have to start giving everyone the benefit of the doubt at that point because you've used up your one shot. Yeah. So I think on Monday I have to have that conversation. I would encourage him to be the bigger man and start repairing some relationships. Not that they're going to wreck him. I don't yeah, think that at all. No, but no. look, when you go to Kentucky this week and on that double fire restart on a narrow racetrack and you're the guy stuck in the top going in turn three – and someone has a chance to give you that spot or at least make your day easy, they're not. Yeah. They're going to drive it right in on his door. So I would have him start working on those relationships yeah. now. You, if we go back to when Ricky won his first restricted plate race, um, it was a who's who of drivers streaming through Victory Lane to congratulate him. That's, you know I mean? Yes. And, and, and to say, great job, first win, good job, guy. I'm going to tell you what. Um, we saw the police escort to the bus this time, and it wasn't caught because yes, people were going to be right. knocking on the door to congratulate. Right. And, and that was just a, a cautionary thing. But at the, at the same time, you're right. The, some of these bridges are going to take a long time to mend because I will give him, like you say, the first one, there's your mulligan. Back it up, and if you create the second one, with three laps to go or two laps to go, I may give you that one. Yeah. I may give you. I may give you a call on that one. Good but point. at that point in time in the race. With the 24 of, of William Byron in front of him and Kyle Busch, there's no need in that. That's uncalled for, and that's out of control aggression. You have to be aggressive. I want to see these guys race every lap. I want to see, I hate it when a driver says, what's he racing me for this hard? We're only 60 laps in order. That's what you get paid for. That's what you get paid for. You get paid. To, you get paid. But, but I'm going to say this, and we talk desperation. He, they, when you only have two or three races that you can win a year, when you're with that team, you get so high, so high, ready to go, ready to go. I got to come in here. I got to make something happen. Uh, it's tough to control. Well, that he's not emotion. the only one. No, no, no he's We're not gonna, the only this one. This summer, right? You got, you got AJ Allmendinger going to the Glen. Right. You yeah. have other drivers. You have the 88 and the 24 yeah. finding their spots. Will they be in position? You know, he's not the only no. one. As the vice of the playoffs start to yeah. close in that people are going to start to be more and more aggressive. Well, we tend to focus on the cut line, but, I mean, I had a conversation with Denny Hamlin this week. He said, hey, it's not just those guys around the cut line. We need playoff points, too, because I'm looking – he told me I'm looking down the road to round three, and our round three is going to be very difficult if we don't start getting wins and start getting stage points and, and start getting playoff points. Well, they need to find a way to outrun the front three. Right, yeah. yeah. And start to get those playoff points that you mentioned. But there's big groups. So the big three are racing each other for playoff points. Yeah. And then you have that whole group, and I give it from Denny, really all the way up to maybe 
Logano that need more playoff points, even though some have some. That's not very many. And then, listen, Jimmy Johnson at plus 54. Who would have ever thought the seven-time champion is one broken engine, wow. one flat tire, one accident away from being on the outside yeah. looking in? And, Kyle, it can happen that quick. If you have an accident lap one at Kentucky, you can give yes. up 30, 40 points yeah. in one weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, this, I, who would have thought the Hendrick organization would have been – 15th, 16th. We'll dive into that more a little bit later. Yeah, coming up, we'll see the exciting conclusion of today's scan all Daytona where a 22-year-old from Michigan etched his name into the record book and, by the way, grabbed the playoff spot along the way. Welcome back on Saturday night. Eric Jones became the fifth driver in Cup Series history to earn his first ever win by just leading the lap, final lap of the race. He's also the third winner in the last four Daytona races to lead just the last lap. Let's see how Jones made this achievement possible in part two of today's Scan All Daytona. It looks as though it's going to be Ricky Stenhouse Jr. sweeping the first two stages. Traffic good, but I haven't been in traffic, you know. Bring the 40 a.m. in and out of the box. NASCAR, you got to look at that angle. That is not correct. Bring the 40 a.m. in. Oh, that's the issue. The nose of the 48 crosses the front pit line with a fuel can still plugged in. Black and white. That is without a doubt penalty on the 48. They're making a new bull rule on us, Jimmy. What is uh, this new rule? I don't even know. They just make this up as they go. Get ready to put the black flag on the white cross to the 48 up, Luke. Right. We'll come down and we'll serve our lap. Oh, oh Larson around, collects the 17. Blue tire. Yeah, 10-4. I'd say we're done. 17, how about that? Nothing on top of the directed cell. Jesus. I got a piece of a fender stuck in my nose. Try to get right up behind somebody, see if it'll come off. Based upon how it felt, I doubt it. Michael McDowell leading at Daytona. All right, we got a chance here, buddy. It's still our day. You and Ricky only. He's running the middle. You and Ricky. If you don't wreck us. Ran into him. Yeah. Don't know what to say it. Change the right front fender in. He's a <laughs> He'll pay for that. Oh, yeah. He's wrecked everybody all night. Hang tough here, bud. 12 more. Wreck it when the race is over, as far as I'm concerned. Six laps here. Six laps. Oh, Lee, I got to get around these squirrels. Losing the pack. Yeah, I know. Oh, right. Into the wall again. This time, Eric Alvarola caught up. That's a big impact. The 34, who had a great run tonight, gets caught up in it, Michael McDowell. All right, Michael. Yep. Gosh darn it, guys. Back there with the squirrels again. Let me know that you're okay when you can. Ah, wow, that hurt. Both you and the 78 have been about the most conservative already. Worked out good. It's overtime. Got a heat race here, don't we? Yeah, no doubt. Look at Eric Jones doing such a great job pushing Martin Trex Jr. in the lead. Come on, come on, come on. God dang it, Coach. Stay straight, stay straight, stay straight. That was badass right there. I don't know how I missed the 43. That was like the longest wreck ever. It's like days of thunder when they got moved out of the way. I think it's official. There's not a single car that's not tore up. We did not get the white. The yellow was out. Seriously? The yellow was out before we got the white. I see the white flag, Carl. They, they were just throwing it, and they pulled it back and then threw the yellow. I swear to God, I've seen that thing. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, so I'll have to do it again. We can pick up some points here if we just keep getting through this whole deal. Eric Jones, Martin Rex Jr., side-by-side side for the lead. Here comes the 37. Here comes your help. 
Here comes John Forty Seven pushing him. Blow right by him. Here they come down to the line. This is going to be a finish. We'll be talking about young Eric Jones. Back and forth. Back and forth. Break the air. Break the air. Come on, baby. Yeah, man. Woo! Eric Jones has won at Daytona. <laughs> Great job, guys. Great job, Rick. Eric, come on, baby. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Chris Busher. Sorry, guys. That emotion so much fun to see from Eric Jones, yeah. isn't it? But I think the bigger question, fellas, is how do you make it through all those wrecks? So let's kind of go through Eric Jones' night and Kyle kind of walk us through as a driver as you're trying to dodge all these wrecks, what Eric's thinking, because he he was in the middle of all of them. Yeah, you saw him right there. He was always sideways just before that. He's on the brakes hard. He lets off. You only usually get one opportunity. You turn, you look, and you say, this is where I'm going to be. You see the front tire was almost locked up right there. He's committed. He, they, he really can't go below the line. He can't go up. It's stuck. Right there he is. He commits. He holds his line. He comes down off the apron. We see the 95 in front of him, Casey Kane. Uh, get out of the way, and it just opens up. Sometimes it opens up for you. Sometimes it doesn't. This one is amazing to me. He's in this wreck. Okay? Boom. Right here. I don't know how he got hit that hard in the right rear, and it didn't turn him any worse than that. It's like you can't. you don't even see his hands move. But he comes down, you see the 24 will come down, William Byron, and get him right in the right rear corner panel, and he's right on there. Worst damage you got. But as a driver, when something happens in front of you, you've got that long, the blink of an eye to make a decision. Yeah. High, low, stay in the middle. And once you make that commitment, you're committed. What I love every time we have an in-car or the helmet yeah. cam on a driver is... I think of Kyle Larson, the great finish at Chicago. Oh, yeah. He never stopped driving. No. You know, like these guys, driving. even when they're wrecking, and I don't mean no. missing a wreck like that. I mean wrecking, spinning. Yeah. The great drivers, they're so aware of their surroundings. They're yeah. grabbing third gear. They're looking around. They not just, like right there, I guarantee if we could go in that 20 car, he's watching the 95 on the brakes of that first wreck, checking his mirror, making sure he's not going to get run over, like yeah. playing defense the best you can. It's And even that, you are right. Lucky that doesn't catch him in the right rear yeah. tire, but he takes every inch. He's and down the right. He knows they're coming. You know, read Chuck Yeager's book one time about being a test pilot, okay? okay. And, and the thing is, and, and lost a lot of test pilots because you'd go up, but they never stopped flying. Never stopped. Always had that undying belief in themselves that they could come out of it. Race car drivers are the same way. They believe if they keep shifting, if they keep driving, if they keep jumping on the gas, if they keep jabbing the brakes, they're going to come out on it the other side. And very few times will you ever hear one say, we're done. They'll most of the time say, get some tape, get a little bit, we'll put this on, we're back out there. They believe in that car that they've made it through unscathed, then they're going to be okay. We heard Eric and Chris Scale talking about how they kind of played it conservative throughout that race. Steve, check out the graph of where he was running throughout the race. I mean, these are the highs and lows of restrictor plate racing. Well, it is, and, and you see right there at the end of both stages outside the top 20. But then they make, in my mind, you know, this race had a different feeling because the big one was early. Yeah, And not that that helped this strategy, but I think that confirmed this strategy. Yeah. The tough part is if you get the lap 100 and it hasn't happened, when do you go? Yeah. Luckily for these guys, the big one, I mean, what, two-thirds of the cars yeah. were wrecked right away. Right. So that helped their strategy. But listen, 
It was a plan. It wasn't dumb luck. It yeah. was a plan to be back there, and he played it off. I didn't, but I think you heard them at the start in the first game all. Hey, just a good point there. Yeah. You know, they didn't think, hey, let's run the strategy at Wind Daytona. They wanted to be around, and then it and, and there were 40 didn't. other cars there that had an opportunity. <laughs> and he was the one that yeah. made it happen, right? That's exactly right. With a little bit of damage. So, well, coming up right after Eric Jones climbs out of the car in victory lane, he placed a phone call to his biggest fan, his mom, Carol. We'll talk to Carol Jones to get her reaction about watching her son earn the biggest win of his career. That's coming up next on NASCAR America. Sing about my mom and dad right after the checker. My mom stayed home from this one. She's gonna miss my first cup win. So hi, mom. Uh, and my dad, man, he would have been so proud of the work we did to get here. It's just, uh, just an awesome day for us. It sounds cliche a little bit, but it was the first thing I thought about was my mom and my dad. I mean, I wanted my mom to be here, number one. You know, wish, uh, wish she was here to celebrate with us because she would be ecstatic. She was been so supportive of my dream from the time I was seven years old and. I still remember going back to the snowball. Remember, they interviewed her after the race, and um, she was excited because she thought that was kind of my shot, and basically told them that she hopes I get to race for a very long time. And uh, it's cool to see it kind of come around. And as far as my dad, I mean, he would be, uh, you know, he'd be off the rails. I mean, I remember when we won our first Xfinity race, the, the emotion he showed there. He'll remember this night for his whole life. 18-year-old has earned his spurs, capturing his first Xfinity Series win. Yeah! I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. It's just a dream come true for all of us. It really is. He's worked so hard. I can't even imagine what it would be like for, for our first cup win. So, you know, we're, we're reaching our, our goals one step at a time. And, and that first goal at the cup level is, is winning a race. And it sure feels good to knock that out. Ah, racing is always about family. And we're honored to have on the phone with us one happy mom, Carol Jones. Of course, the mother of Eric Jones and Carol. We're sorry you had to miss the race on Saturday night, but what were the emotions like as you were watching those final few laps as Eric was about to win? Well, honestly, uh, I pretty much was biting my fingernails off, and um, it was my heart was just racing because those last couple laps were really hard to watch. But he crossed that finish line, and his sister and I started screaming and jumping around, and... I happened to have his dog at my house and my dog, and they looked at us like, what is going on? And it was just, it was great. Tears and screaming and all kinds of stuff. You know, this is Kyle. I want to know the emotion of seeing this dream fulfilled. I, I, I saw a photo earlier on Twitter of your entire family standing in Victory Lane uh, when, when he was just a little boy. And to be back there... This is the culmination of a lot of dreams to be in Victory Lane at Daytona. What does that feel like as a parent to see your child's dream uh, come true? Um, you know, it's it's the best thing that you can hope for, really. Um, gosh, when we started 15 years ago or so on this journey, I really never expected it to go this far. And um, it was kind of like I was the one who instigated it, but... Eric and his dad really were the two that kind of put it into overdrive and just kept going and going. And so to see him be where he's at right now, because this is what he worked so hard for, and to see him get this win, is it, it's just amazing. It's, I'm so happy for him. 
Hey, Carol, this is Steve Letard. I want to know very simply, what was the phone conversation like? You weren't there in person when you finally got to talk to your son. What did you have to tell the young man standing yeah. in victory lane at Daytona? Uh, you know, the usual, I'm so proud of you. I love you. This is great. And I'm so sad I'm not there. And his reply was, well, I am too. He says, but I remember that dad missed my first late model win. So I guess you missed this one. And so, and it's true. So... <laughs> And I want to talk to you about that, Carol, just the influence that, that Dave had on on Eric's career. He was so instrumental in being there every day with him as a youngster when he was racing. Yeah. Um, you know, it was insane. I mean, Dave really, he didn't have any kind of racing in or background in racing. So for him, it was a lot of learning and uh, hoping that he was making the right decisions. And But he never gave up. And he and Eric just really fought their way through a lot of things. Um, it wasn't an easy road to go down, but he was Eric's biggest supporter and biggest fan along with me, and um, it's worked out. You know, the Mich Michigan race is coming up. I'm sure you're excited to have him home. Now, Eric actually stays in the house with you, right? So he drives back and forth from his childhood home every day to the Michigan race. So I'm sure you're excited to have him home for a few days. Oh, yeah. Yep, he stays at home, and um, his room is still full of all the racing stuff from when he was younger and uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Jeff Gordon memorabilia in there. <laughs> <laughs> Big yeah. Jeff Gordon fan. Uh, so, yeah, he stays with us. We saw him in that, in that photo of Victory Lane uh, a long time ago. He had on his Jeff Gordon um, his Jeff Gordon jacket. Does he sleep in his Jeff Gordon pajamas when he comes home? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if Big Slade anymore, but there were a few years where he did. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so I just got one simple question. I want to know Mom's opinion on the mullet. I mean, it is oh, now made famous yeah. by Dale Jr. So I want to know, like, because my mom, even to this day, if I get a haircut and show up on TV and she doesn't like it, she calls oh, and yeah. tells me. Oh, so, yeah. like, do you get a vote when it comes to uh, the haircut? Uh, not really, and, you know, it's okay. If he keeps the front of it cut and kind of styled, I'm okay with it. It's when he lets the front just sort of get crazy. Then I'm like, okay, you need to get to haircut. So. So, so, sounds like Carol's got kind of half <laughs> yeah, yeah. half vote on the uh, on the uh, yes. mullet. So, yeah. hey, Carol, congratulations yes, to the entire Jones family. I know it was a great moment yes. for you guys. It was. It was amazing. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us here on NASCAR America. Of course, Eric was just one part of the story that played out at Daytona on Saturday night. There were a couple of other great stories, including the JTG Darty guys, some standout performances from A.J. Allmendinger and Chris Busher, whose teamwork nearly produced a win. That and more coming on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. James Hinchcliffe scored a huge win Sunday at Iowa. Now he and his teammate Robert Wickens are coming home and they have their sights set on victory. Verizon IndyCar Series racing from Toronto Sunday, 3.30 Eastern on NBC.
SN. Obviously, Eric Jones kind of stole the headlines from Daytona on Saturday night, guys, but there were some other great stories, including the two cars of JTG Darty Racing, AJ Allmendinger and Chris Buescher. First time ever they've had both cars finish in the top five, Steve, and it was amazing that those guys kind of found each other at the end of the race. I mean, with all of the destruction on the racetrack, who knew there were still two teammates in the race? <laughs> right. And then yeah. in reasonably decent race cars, but I think it's great for this organization. Think back earlier in the year at Sonoma, just a few weeks back, major letdown by A.J. Allmendinger, broke that engine. You know, a mistake, it happens, yeah. but it felt like, you know, they had that circled as their chance to kind of make a splash, not just in competition, but for their sponsors, for their team. So to go to Daytona, that perhaps no one had those two circled as a dominant organization, yeah. put both cars in the top five, as you mentioned. I think those are the moments that a two-car organization like JTG only in its second car or second year with a second car, yeah. you have to have something, right? You have yeah. to have some bright spots yeah. to celebrate, bright spots to sell. And I think Daytona is a bright spot, maybe in perfect timing with a Watkins Glen coming up. We know AJ's numbers at the Glen, they're unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. and I think I think both drivers really impressed you on those final two restarts, Kyle. You want to walk us through yeah, those the, a little bit? Because the, they the jumped last, a lot of cars. A, a lot of cars to put themselves in a position. I'm sure they're looking around saying, is that the 37 or the 47? I can't read. There's so much tape on these cars because yeah. they've all been in accidents. But if we go back, I, th I think Chris Buescher right here, is he's the eighth. He's the fourth car on the outside. And the 47 of A.J. Amendinger is the 10th car on the outside. Um, and they, this is the restart where we start, and then we have the wreck coming to the, coming to the white flag. Uh, but watch these guys. You see the 37 here? You see the 47 we just backed out of. A.J.'s just outside the thing. As we come back in, uh, these guys make the move down the back stretch. But as we come back around, watch the 37 here. Watch this move. Now, we don't have to watch this whole thing. What it, yeah, but what happens is the 37 ends up starting fourth, and the 47 has passed so many cars that he's got up here and put them guys, put these two in position. They didn't get a great restart here. They did not get a great restart. I think if they got a little bit better restart. Uh, they would have been a little bit better position to win the race, but they are still a factor here. The 37 uh, of Chris Buescher sucks back up to the 20, and we see the 95 jumps to the outside, leaves just enough of a hole on the outside that we see Chris Buescher uh, and the 20 part uh, of Eric Jones push by. It's it's pretty pretty impressive. And listen, somebody that needs JTG's uh, address. Eric Jones, because yes. he better send them <laughs> a couple you. big yeah. fruit baskets yes. because they were the push that moved them out. Well, and you mentioned Watkins Glen coming up. Also a big weekend for that race team coming up because it's Kroger. Their hometown is this weekend in yes. Kentucky, so a big race a big race for those guys coming up uh, this weekend. Hey, it's also July 10th, and I wanted to mention something to you, Kyle, and I wanted to change gears yeah. here a little bit. Uh, today would have been Adam Petty, your son's birthday, yeah. and I just want to let you know your NBC Sports family has Thank not you. forgotten that, and I know it comes around, yeah. obviously, to this day, and, and you think of Adam yeah. all the time, but yeah. Especially today. Yeah, especially today, and especially with Eric Jones winning. Um, it, it's crazy for me, but but I'm the reverse of that, where Eric's father is not here, my son's not here. I, I, t I talk to Dale Jr., and I think about him in that same situation because um, you grew up together racing. I grew up with Adam racing. I, Eric grew up with his father, Dan, racing. You know, Dale Jr. and Dale Sr. race together. And then all of a sudden you get to a point and it's just one of you left. Um, and everything you do from that point on is to carry that memory on. And that's why uh, even setting in victory lane and doing the thing from Vicky and with, with Dale Jarrett and, and Krista, I was pretty emotional. I have to admit, because July 10th, around this time of year every year, 
is just an emotional time. Well, you, you mentioned legacy. Yeah. Right. I'm going to tell you, the most breathtaking opportunity I have in the sport is to go up and, and yeah. visit camp. I mean, that place is like nothing else I've really ever been a part of. You should yeah, be no, proud of what you've created there. It's unbelievable. It is is cool. that when you think about them the most when you're at camp and you see yeah. those smiles, or is it when you're on the ride and you're all alone and quiet? At camp now. When, I, when, when Adam's accident happened, I drove his Xfinity car uh, the rest of that seat. Never changed the seat, never changed anything. I always felt closer to him when I was inside that race car at a racetrack. Um, now I feel close to him when I'm at camp. Um, and, you know, it is, it's a hard time. You know, it is. And it's, it's a hard time when you lose anybody you love. You've got a son that races. You have a son that race, races. Um, and you want them to fulfill their dreams. Sure. You push them and you give them every opportunity. Every opportunity that you didn't have or you didn't have or I didn't have, you give to your kids. And you say, go do it, man. I want you to do this. And you give them everything. Um, and then that dream stops. And when it does, it's sad for a lot of different reasons. But um, good luck to your boys. Because well, yeah, you, both of you guys, good kids, man. Good kids, winning kids. We're always thinking about KP, Thank especially you. on uh, on this day, no Thank doubt you. about it. Yeah, no much. doubt about it. So, hey, coming up, Jimmy Johnson has a series record eight Charlotte wins. But it's a new game with the Roval. Up next, seven-time talks to Dave Burns about what he learned in today's test. Today, Charlotte Motor Speedway hosted the first of two test sessions on the track's new Roval. Several of NASCAR's biggest names took part in the test. One of those drivers is seven-time Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, who spoke with our Dave Burns. Let's see what the seven-time champ thinks of Roval testing so far. This isn't really Roval racing yet. That's going to be really different. But what about the test so far, Jimmy? What have you found out? Uh, just getting familiar with the track right now and then... Um, you know, there's a few areas where NASCAR's still looking for some direction on how to uh, keep the speeds controlled, to, to control safety and, and uh, tires and a lot of things that teams, owners, and uh, drivers are concerned with. So they're, they're still trying to manage all that, and that's being you know, the first real test coming through. They're listening hard to the driver's opinions and they're kind of reworking a few areas. You do what you're told. You go out there, you go fast, you take it on. At what point did you say, I have a question or an opinion, let's change a little something? Yeah, I was like three seconds off the pace, and I, I watched another driver um, be very aggressive through the chicane, and I thought, oh, that's that's good for a few seconds. So then all of a sudden, my lap times came into the ballpark they needed to be, and that was really the kind of the catalyst to get us to all talk, um, get out on the track, look at the chicane on the back straightaway, and figure out, you know, do we do we do away with it, or do we make the the driver and car really have to respect it? So. NASCAR chose with the ladder, added some extra curbing, really making us respect the exit of the back straightaway chicane. And uh, now, now there's a huge penalty if uh, you, you do carry too much speed through there and use up the curbing like, uh, like we were. This is an interesting experiment because you're taking, I think in most cases, basically a road course car, and now you've put it on the banking at Charlotte. What's the feel like once you hit the banking? Uh, banking's been pretty good. You know, there's, it's so tough to, to have a continuous you know, paving kind of design and um, and the smoothness that comes with that. What I have found to be more difficult is because you have parking lots and they're connecting one parking lot to the next, that there are a lot of spans where asphalt's not laid in the same direction and you cross over these seams, there's bumps. It's impossible the way that they've had to patch this together to have a smooth surface for us to drive on. So braking areas um, out of turn one is really tricky. I guess maybe it's turns between turn seven and eight, you have an elevation change and then an area that they had to pave between two parking lots. Um, and also where the old road course was, it's really sketchy on throttle, just trying to put the power down. The, the surface is so bumpy as a result of all the paving that it's, 
it's just sketchy. There's a lot of places to bust your butt around here. That's the biggest takeaway I have right now. Um, if you get greedy or just trying to do our thing as drivers, um, you're, you don't have any runoff, and when you make a mistake, you're going to pay a big price. Well, I think, that, I think that the biggest thing about this particular race is the fact that everybody didn't want to build a hybrid car. So you didn't want to build a downforce car uh, to go through the high-speed corners in the, in the, on the oval. Um, so, you know, I think it was important to get the, the chicanes right and, and uh, still working on getting that right, it seems, as, as we're here today. So it's definitely a, a fine line between racing the oval from a downforce standpoint to make sure that you're not going so fast that you have to have a, a hybrid type of car um, and, and being able to go through the road course stuff like you need to. So, you know, as far as the curbing and everything that goes with it, it's, it's, it's not quite ready today uh, as to what it needs to be for the race. Well, so how does that play out then with a mostly left-hand road course as traditionally the other ones have been right-handers? You know, I hadn't even really thought about that, Dave. It's, um, you know, for- You are still finding where you are, right? I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going because it's, um, you know, I, whether it's left or right or whatever it is, it's it's still, a, you know, a road course. And, and you, you know, for, for me, it's um, my goal today is just make sure that I'm comfortable with the grip levels in each corner, where the curbs are, um, and, and the things that I can visually take back. And, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll sit down and, and really work on the, the speed of the car and the things that we need to do. So for me, it's really just about, it's really about, they want to work on the car. I just, the only thing I really care about today, I don't care about how fast we go or the things that we do. I want to have a visual so that when I come back, I know what I can I can do inside the car. In my opinion, the, the, the hardest thing that I see you're going to have to do when you come back is survive. Survival, road courses, and but excitement for the fans. We've seen that recently. And as Kevin finds his way around here, I know that he'll be also looking at that, just how can I survive come September? Some interesting thoughts from Jimmy and Kevin there, Steve. Yeah, so the first is they mentioned survival. Watkins Glen, Sonoma, most of those tracks have a lot of runoff. You make a mistake, now nah, you come back on track, you have another lap to figure it out. Not going to have that at the Roval, very tight confines with walls everywhere. The other thing he mentioned, interesting, is it's new. Yeah. Jeff Gordon in the debrief could tell you every crack, every seam, every yeah. bump, every movement at Sonoma. Uh, Jimmy Johnson could do the same at Watkins Glen. So now they go to a track where, you know, it's not just, hey, I need more rear spring. It's, I don't know, yeah. is that turn five or six? You know, they have to learn the track. Yeah, I, and I find it interesting what Jimmy said. They've just connected a bunch of parking lots, it seems like. So <laughs> the, the pavements are going, pavements going a different way, which is a, which really hard to find grip and when you're going against the grain or across the grain. And does this mean that even though we celebrated Kyle Busch winning on every racetrack, now he hasn't won on every racetrack? Oh, just a question. Interesting. Just a question. You know, because yeah. Steve doesn't question. even consider the current Kentucky <laughs> same as the old Kentucky. So we got a lot to figure out there. So, hey, that'll do it for us today here on NASCAR America. Tomorrow, Wednesdale, Dale Earnhardt Jr. here from the Big Oak Table along with this guy, Kyle Petty. We'll see you then, 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Enjoy the evening, everyone. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.